Hey Rockheads, this is Carl with an update on Music to Code By. On January 4th, 2016, I released the 11th Music to Code By track, Gold. That's right, there are now 11 25-minute tracks, including the original three. And you can download them all in one big zip file for less than 50 bucks at mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1251, with guests Dominic Beyer and Brock Allen. Recorded Thursday, January 14th, 2016. Coming to you from the fishbowl at NDC London. It's we're at People Aquarium. Yes, yeah, that's right. We are. <laughs> they come by and they look at us like we're zoo animals. That's it. We're in a little plastic box. The Netus Rockius <laughs> in its native habitat. That's right. Sitting around a table drinking coffee and <laughs> been with headphones and microphones on. It's fun. We're in London. Dominic Beyer and, and Brock Allen are here. We're going to be talking to them about Identity Server and all sorts of great stuff. Coming up here in just a minute, but first, it's Better Know a Framework. I love it. All right, buddy. What have you done? Well, I, <laughs> this is something that you have Uh-oh. that somebody sent us a link to that you went out and bought. And uh, I figured if one of us buys it and checks it out, that would be enough. It's the eyeball. Oh, yeah. Of course. So this is from Chaotica, and it's K-A-O-T-I-C-A. I've created a shortcut to it at eyeball.pwop.com. And it's basically a foam acoustic treatment for a microphone. Stephen so Hans of, had told us about this, right? Stephen Hans, yeah. yeah. Instead of putting up a baffle when you have a bad-sounding room, like, oh, I don't know, this room, for example. <laughs> <laughs> we are in a plexiglass box, right? Yeah. Uh, you can basically take a and, – and the mics we're using are like face mics. They're like Madonna mics. It wouldn't work for this, but – this is a foam enclosure that goes around a large diaphragm condenser microphone, and it sort of, um, you know, absorbs the sound around it. So the idea is that, you know, you, you still, you talk close to it, you talk right into it, and then it, it minimizes, it doesn't completely get rid of, but it minimizes the reflections in the room. And so, and, but it's about 300 bucks. Which right? is a lot for a foam ball. Yes, it's a lot for a foam ball, but if you think about people who do you know, videos and, and oh, yeah. podcasts and all this kind of stuff. They want the quality high, but the, the alternative is building a room. You're right. Or, you know, I had the, the, the big uh, real traps baffle stuffed around my uh, microphone because I'm upstairs right now seeing how the basement is in gutted. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we did a test. Richard had one test with no treatment at all right. in his upstairs room. And then one treatment with the baffle. Right, this yep. portable baffle, which is probably like two meters, two square meters with a hinge in the middle, right? Yeah. And that's basically what it is. Two square feet. Oh, it's that's it's only two feet. It's two, two foot feet. by two foot. Two foot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two square so, meters would be the size of me. So. No, no, no. I meant two, <laughs> two one meter square panels. Yeah. Okay. It could yeah. be a meter square. Two, yeah, that's what yeah, I'm thinking. Like three foot squares. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. So it, it has a hinge, and you put your microphone sort of in it, and it does a good job. And then he did one with the eyeball, and the best thing about the eyeball is he could get, you could get closer could get right to on the it. mic. Because yeah. when you're in that baffle, you tuck the mic back into the baffle to minimize the reflection, right. so you can't really get as close to it. That's right. And so the net result was the eyeball sounded better. Right. And at $200 US, not $300 US. Oh, I'm sorry. $200 US. I was thinking, did I spend that much money? No, no, I spent 200 Which is still a lot for a foam ball with a pop filter on the front of it, but it's A, looks amazing, right? Like, as soon as I put it on, <laughs> girls go by and go, what the heck is that? It would be better if it was bright orange or something, <laughs> something. right? But it's black with a blue face yeah. on it. But uh, I'm just appreciative that it's a, it's a tidy solution to the problem. Yes, it is. So there you go. Love it's, it. It's uh, eyeball.pwop.com or chaoticaeyeball.com. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1109, the one we did with Troy Hunt, who we were talking about secure account management. Mm-hmm. And because, uh, of course, Troy does all that stuff around, have I been pwned and, you know, letting you know how many of your accounts have been stolen. Right. Uh, but this particular comment gave me a giggle, uh, and I think it's terribly applicable to our conversation today. It's from Mike Lawton. He's been listening to the show for a long time. I've exchanged a few emails with him in the past. He said, hey, great show. I remember once discussing strong passwords with a user at a client site. She was complaining that their enforced policies dictated that a password's expiration date and enforced no duplication of, pa- of the past 10 passwords. Think about that. They have a routine expiration. I don't know exactly what it was. Say it's every 90 days. And you can't reuse a password for 10 passwords. It's just mean. It's pretty mean. So what do you think the net result of that was? A lot of lost passwords. Everybody's monitor had post-it notes on it with passwords yeah. written down. Sure, sure But they this girl, this girl was smarter. She'd written down a number on her post-it note. And what was that number? And she it was had, an index to a list that she had in her pocket or something. What she know. said was, my password is my husband's first name, oh. followed by the last letter of our last name. Oh. Repeated that many times. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that works. So she'd written a 13 on the number, so it was John S. 13 times. <laughs> <laughs> that now, works. It's imagine, an algorithm. Imagine Mike's response to this. He says, being completely gobsmacked, <laughs> which is a great term, I'm ashamed that I said something to the effect of, it'd be easier to just increment the number on the end of the password rather than counting out all the letters, <laughs> which is true. John S13. There you right. go. Slightly better, but still an awful plan. And in my defense, I was in shock. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, only it's not fair. as bad as I've ever seen. I no, mean, but it, it'd be a it's lot worse. somewhat creative. But you get down to the reality, which is if you put these kinds of structures around people's passwords, yeah, they will find a way around them. They, right. you know, they're not going to do what you want them to do. Right. They're not going to come up with a random alphanumeric password every 90 days and, and just never remember repeat, it. Right? And somehow magically remember it, yeah. right? And, uh, and Mike goes on to say, there is always a push and pull between security and usability, and either extreme is potentially catastrophic. Since then, I've been promoting password managers and agree that they are the best balance that security versus usability need. And I'm a, I'm a last pass guy. A password manager being an app that has, also has a password that keeps all your passwords. That's right. Yeah, I and do the, the same. The main thing, the main thing I like with something like LastPass is a, I have a different password on everything, mm. and b, especially these days, a lot of the top end sites 
will auto change passwords for you. Right. So like I literally have no idea what my, my what my PayPal password is because it changes every thirty days for me. Yeah. Right. It's just handled in LastPass. Yeah. The main thing then is that the password on LastPass is the important part. Sure. And that for me is a passphrase. It's huge. It's, it's a like big a, one. I got a seventy five character password, which right. is actually a sentence that is meaningful to me. Right. And pretty much nobody else. Right. So, you know. That's really the way to go, and, and that's you know, what Mike closes with is use a password manager. I use KeyPass, too, but there's also 1Password, LastPass, and so on. And these all work on phones as well? They're, and that's the thing you've got to look for. Vir- virtually all of them have a, ver- have a version. The, you know, it's a common store, and then you have a version that runs on your phone, a version that runs on your laptop, preferably integrates with your browser. Right? I mean, that's one thing. One, one of the problems with Microsoft Edge is that it doesn't allow plugins. And so it's like, I can't use that to log into anything. Right. And I'm not going to use its password store, too. Right. So, hey, I'm on Chrome. Ta-da. So we'll revisit the idea of all plugins are bad. And maybe just some plugins are bad. Well, uh, we'll revisit that idea. Absolutely, absolutes are always a problem, That's aren't they? That's right, they are. So, Mike, as you could tell, kicked off some conversation here, and I'm sure there's more to come. Thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media. We publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook, and if you comment there, we read it on the show. We'll send you a mug. And of course, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell, and send us tweets. We eat them for snacks. Uh, now it's time to introduce Dominic and Brock. Dominic Beyer is an independent consultant specializing in identity and access control. He helps companies around the world designing and implementing authentication and authorization for their distributed web and native applications. He's the co-author of the popular OpenID Connect and OAuth 2.0 framework called Identity Server, which you can find at identityserver.io. He's written a couple of books, blogs at leastprivilege.com, and tweets as at leastprivilege. Hi, Dominic. Welcome. Welcome back, I should say. Brock Allen is an independent consultant specializing in .NET, web development, and web-based security with 20 years of industry experience. Brock is the co-author of many security-related open source frameworks, including Identity Server, Identity Manager, and Membership Reboot. He also frequently posts to the ASP.NET forums, is an MVP for ASP.NET and IIS. He's a member of the ASP Insiders and a contributor to the ASP.NET platform. Welcome back, Brock. Hi. How are you? And also has to deal with cranky Java programmers. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, just that one. Just that one. Yeah. You know who you are. (laughs) So almost a year to the day, we published the last show talking about uh, Identity Server. So welcome back, guys. Uh, Has it been a good year for you? Busy. (laughs) It's It's been a very good year for you guys. Yeah, it, it was very good. Um, we finished identity. I think we officially, you know, like the RTM, whatever that means these days, was beginning of 2015. Mm-hmm. And ever since, uh, I think we were on the road using it to fix hard problems. Right. Yeah. And that that's a good uh, a good feeling when you build something that is very useful to many people. And the point you made back 
a year ago was as soon as you have more than one web property that a, co a customer would want to be on of yours, you want a shared identity concept. You want to separate identity from the individual websites. So did that, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I did that come true? Like, is, is that what your customers are using it for? Yeah. Um, so that, there were two things. One is obviously that the whole single sign-on, you have more than one application, and suddenly you don't want to implement the account, the, the whole login stuff twice. Right. You want to give them the single sign-on experience. Um, so many, you know, like back when the whole identity thing became big, it was like, will there be like two or three global providers and they will provide identity to everybody? Right. And that turned, I think, into more like, uh, you know, you have a, you, as a company, you have a suite of applications and you're providing them one identity they can use for all of their applications. Right. And that might even chain up to a bigger provider like Google, for example. Yeah. But, um, you know, like the... Um, I work with many companies that, you know, have the idea of, you know, company name ID. So it's your, I don't know, Lego has that. I mean, right. Lego is not a customer of ours, but they have, the, they, have, they have the Lego ID. And wherever you are using Lego, is it on the website, in the shop, like logging into their apps for pro programming their robots, whatever, you use the same account. And I, th I think that's pretty much the expectation today. Like, why, why would I have free accounts for, doing, for using three different services by the same company? Well, you might have one username and password or one account credential set, but it's implemented in several places. You would log in in different, different places right. that all look different, that are all different code and different... Right. So, yeah, so, so it, it, it's the single sign-on thing. It's also the ability to, you know, like, there's so much logic around accounts and how you create them and store them and maintain them and maybe link them up to other providers like may maybe your Google account must be linked to another account you know all of that hard logic you, you, you only want to implement that once really right. and that's what Identity Server is basically providing it's a place to implement that as a service to your application but it goes way beyond that doesn't it I mean it really it, goes beyond now that we know who you are what can you do in very fine grained detail well in theory yes we don't recommend that to, to bake that into your central piece because what Identifier is best at is authentication as a service. Okay. And it, it does that for, for various types of applications. It might be a web application or a JavaScript application or a native application or even like a headless thing running in your data center or a, a thing, you know, like a thing in the sense of... Uh, uh, the Internet of Things. Yeah. Sure, um, yeah. Um, so, you know, actually it, last year I implemented for, um, for a customer authentication for a vacuum cleaner. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, it, it's a robot. It, it, it roams around your house. It has a camera. It, it you know, it, it, it knows where, <laughs> where it has to clean. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty advanced. So, so, so they use uh, geofencing. So basically when you leave the house with the phone in your pocket, the robot knows, okay, now it's time for me to start cleaning. Right. Yeah? <laughs> and there's telemetry involved. And obviously this has to be secured somehow. Otherwise, you know, you don't want other people to see what, how, it's, how it's looking inside. Hide your house, right? Yeah. <laughs> How so dirty yeah, is that? Floor? Obviously, they need uh, a security story around that. Yeah, interesting. So um, I, yeah, so I jumped the gun on the uh, the authorization part of it, but but that is part of your story here, isn't it? But it just in another place. So. As I said, Identity Server itself is authentication as a service, yeah, right. and uh, that alone is a really hard problem to solve. Yes. And if you are in the position that you have a stable identifier for your clients and your users in all of your services, mm. you already reached a lot. Yeah. Right? And Life is better for you. Yeah. Yes. 
the NDO authorization part, we typically recommend doing as close as possible to the resource you're trying to protect. Interesting. Because that is the only place where you really know what's going on. Otherwise, you're starting to build abstractions and least common denominator things. Yeah. Whereas, at the end of the day, really, like when the, the token hits your API endpoint, there you really know what's going on. Like You really know what is this caller trying to do, and that's where we recommend putting the authorization. Do you remember code access security? Sure. You ask me that every time. I, think. I know. I, know. <laughs> I just love to revel in you know, the, the pain. Well, yeah. that's all. I yeah. remember that pain fondly. They had good intentions. I mean, it was an interesting idea. Right. And, it, and, and they tried to solve a really hard problem, yeah. and they gave up. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, it's still a hard problem to solve, and most platforms don't have it. No. Um, but it's just associating specific code with specific privilege... Yeah, independent of the user who's using it. Right. right, that is the hard part. Yeah, so you've created a separate tool then, essentially, to deal with authorization within an application. Like, how how do I tie my identity server uh, uh, identity to these uh, specific rights? Yeah, well, the traditional way you would do authorization, at least the the the, the way you see in the templates for Microsoft, is use the you know the authorize attribute and you use roles right. mm -hmm. for the caller coming in. But as we've talked about in the past, you know that that's a high coupling yeah. between your authorization logic or policy and you know the business code that you're you're building, uh, and that's not you know hard to do unit testing. And if that policy ever changes, you have a lot of search and replace to do. Yep. So we. Uh, we're inspired by some older frameworks from Microsoft, and we tried to come up with a, an authorization library um, to do so-called resource-based authorization, okay. where you not only take the user into account, but you take the, you know, the object that the user is going to be working on, right? So uh, a salesperson is going to update a customer, right. you know, and that, that's the resource into this whole logic. Hey, Rockheads. As Richard and I travel the world for the Azure World Tour, we're telling people all about our dev-centric friends at Stackify. They've been awarded PC Magazine Editor's Choice for Application Performance Management, stating, and I quote, The depth of application information provided by Stackify totally outshine the other products in this category, end quote. Because Stackify so successfully integrates errors, logs, and metrics into a core APM Plus tool, it's a must-have for .NET developers. Which is why PC Mag's Paul Farrell calls it one of the best infrastructure management services of 2015. Try Stackify now for free, and they'll ship you their coveted Developers Against Humanity card game. Just activate your account. Use the link bit.ly slash netrocks to build better apps faster and get your free game. So you're less um, concerned about the code manipulating the resource as you are authorizing to the resource. Yeah, uh, well, it's the user and the resource and the operation that they're trying okay. to perform. So maybe they're trying to create a customer or delete a customer or update a customer. Right. And you may have different uh, business requirements around those different operations. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, we tried to come up with a library to... to um, to, to help achieve this, and, and it was definitely a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a hard, hard again, as Dominic said, these are hard problems to solve. Um, and so we came up with a library about a year ago, um, and some people are using it, and, and it's good. Like I said, it's a step in the right direction where you decouple those things. And this library is... Um, so it's basically our what we call our resource authorization okay. library. So it, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting that... Uh, 
when you think authentication is a, is a tough problem to solve, you realize that's the easier part. Authorization is the tough problem to solve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we know when you come to 10 customers, you will find 12 ways how they, how they solved that problem or, or approached it. Right. So in all, you know, honesty, we kind of gave up writing a library because we realized that regardless of what you come up with, it won't be the one-size-fits-all solution for, for every application. It's yeah. something that seems like it needs to be coupled tightly, but then not all the time, right? It, the so, decoupling is obviously the goal, but it needs to be tied in there somehow. Sure, there's a point in your code where you, in your business logic, where you have to call out to this other thing, but at least they're separate. You can do unit testing and things right, like that. Sure. But we, so as Dominic said, we, we were a little frustrated with our own implementation. And at the MVP summit about a year, almost two years ago now? Hmm. About a year and a half ago, whenever, you know, not this last one, but the 2014 one prior. Okay. We, we showed what we had been working on to Microsoft, uh, mm. to the ASP.NET team. And we, we said, you know, hey, we really want to promote this style of coding because mm. it is a, the right way to do, to do it. Um, and we kind of tasked them, we challenged them and said, hey, how about you guys figure out, you know, make this better and right. put it into the framework? Well, the, the, the issue is that you, you, you can only really make it really good if you can build it in, in, into the platform. I mean, but by the time ASP.NET was lacking a, couple, a number of features that made it really hard to do it. And now with the next release, they have those features, like, for example, built-in dependency injection, where you can just inject your policies into your business logic, for example. Yeah. Um, now, you know, um, I'm glad they listened. Um, and nowadays we have what we wanted, really, like a, like a resource-based authorization system, which is really nice to use. And that's part of Framework 4.6? That's part of ASP.NET 5, ASP. which Net runs 5. on .NET 4.6 or .NET, .NET Core 5.0 right. or <laughs> uh, any other, any other permutation of dying. numbers and yeah. characters. Yes. <laughs> well, and how many beta bits are we talking about here? I mean, it's January when we're recording this, and they still have, it's still beta. You know, it'll be sorted it, out in ten weeks. Okay. okay. Right. Right now, it, it's it's called RC1. Yeah. That's, that's not quite the release candidate you used to know. No. <laughs> well, let's face it. The betas of ASP.NET were really alphas because every time they revved it, they broke stuff. It was right. brutal. But, you know, um, I remember like a long, long time ago, like um, I think it was the first build ever at, at the campus where they released Windows 8. Right. I had a meeting with Scott Hunter, who now runs the ASP.NET 5 team, and he said, like, okay, you know, you, are, you seem to always complain about our security story. Tell me how it should be. <laughs> and we had a, a really good talk, a chat, like, um, and I, I told him many things. And it, it, you know, and, and it seems he was listening. Yeah? So, you know, things like, for example, that, that claims should be the, fir you know, the first class abstraction of identity in ASP.NET mm -hmm. wasn't happening at this point in time. Yeah? And, and they were still debating a lot in between. And in the end, it turned out they, they did it. Yeah? Um, the other thing is obviously token-based authentication should be another first-class concept mm -hmm. in, in a modern web framework. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, this happened as well. Yeah. And, uh, and as Brock said, like the authorization piece happened as well. So we are happy. So if I hear you clearly, ASP.NET 5 fixes all security problems. <laughs> it has 
answers to the problems. Okay. It's, it's, it's you still can still make a mess of them. Sure. <laughs> sure. But um, the other thing is that they, um, um, a, long, a long-time friend of mine that I know for, from way back, he, he joined Microsoft and he became the security PM for ASP.net. Who's that? Barry Dorrance. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're huge fans of Barry Dorrance. Um, so, yeah. And... He did a really good job for the for the for the new version, ASP.NET Five. Yeah. Um, because it was really like the first version where he could influence things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he I think he made an excellent job of building APIs that make it really really hard to shoot yourself. So yeah, kind of fallen. It won't work at all until you do it the right way. So for, uh, yeah, for for example, they have a new data protection API. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it's a immensely complex API, but they only expose two methods to the user called nice. protect. And unprotect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everything else has been taken care of. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's and not good when security is a binary, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and he did a great job, yeah, that he doesn't even allow them to get to the dangerous parts of the right. underpinning. You don't want to go here. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, you you're, shouldn't. You're safe. And it's all open source. I mean, if you really want to see how it's implemented, you can go look. Sure. Mm. Sure. You may not understand it, but you can go look. It's That's a... A pretty sophisticated library. Yeah, it's den- I got to. I got to think that stuff is dense if he's consolidated quite that much. And you know, f- think of that. They also need need to make it work cross platform now. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's got to <laughs> run on everything. So, so back to your point about uh, you know, ASP.NET five is going to be providing a lot of really good frameworks to solve these security problems. Right. But that does not substitute for a good architecture. Okay. Right. You absolutely. Right. They give you the ability to build web APIs, but you still need to do the architecture. So right. sure. Think about yeah, this thoroughly. Absolutely. So the, the other interesting story is, I guess, you know, when we were talking back and forth with, with those, they, you know, like back in the, when they released Web API version 2, you know, they said, okay, yeah, we understand you. We need a token-based security solution. So we've written our own. And can you have a look at it? And we'll have had a look at it and said, like, well, I, I don't like it. <laughs> um, and, what you didn't know, you like? Um, the problem was that they were building uh, a very thin abstraction layer on top of a protocol that was hard to understand, like OAuth 2. I mean, OAuth 2 is not, it, it's not rocket science, but still, they're, they're, you know, if you implement a protocol, things can go wrong. And they, I, I think they, in my opinion, um, other people disagree, but in my opinion, they gave the user too many options to Again, to, to shoot yourself. Too many switches. Yeah, too, too many switches and too much responsibility on the developer to do it right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I told them that, I gave him that, that exact feedback and, you know, as things work, they had deadlines, they needed something. Mm-hmm. Right. So they shipped it. Right. And um, two years ago, I think, I had a private conversation and said, yeah, you're right. It, it was too ambitious. And yeah. l- like... A year ago, I think, they said, like, okay, you know what? We're going to actually discontinue this whole thing. We're going to dump it for ASP.NET 5. Wow. And would you guys be interested in providing the, the, the replacement for that? Great. And, and that, that's uh, pretty much what we've been working on for the last month, is porting Identity Server now to the, to the .NET Core. To the run. cross-platform version of the yes, of .NET. which is pretty much the prerequisite to be an ASP.NET 5 thing. It must yeah. run cross-platform. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've been heads down for a couple of weeks. Are you pretty much working without de- too many dependencies? Is it gone well, or do you have that problem? We have that problem. I mean, it's, 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 it's not the worst thing for us, because we're pretty much low level. We have a couple of 
dependencies, I guess, like everyone has today, which is JSON sure. parsing, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be uh, the big one, right? Um, the, the biggest problem for us was and still is our dependency on crypto. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been to meetings with the crypto team at Microsoft and, you know, pretty much... Because you're not going to rewrite that. They were pretty That'd much crazy. Pointing, pointing at each other, like, who is... Who's, who's writing that? Who's you writing write that? that? Write that. Because, you know, like, on Windows, you have the luxury uh, that all crypto stuff is part of the operating system, right? right? And yeah. they have their, you know, their highly paid, uh, you know, crypto people, which build the FIPS-compliant um, implementations, which, you know, like, and it's really rocket science. You have to do it in native code because you want to control every microsecond yes. and every CPU cycle. Otherwise, you have timing attacks against it and right. yeah. all these things. And I said, like, there's, there's no way we're going to implement it for macOS and Linux and all the flavors of Linux that we are to running. To implement it in managed code is not smart, in other words. And doing it in managed code will open us to many of the sophisticated attacks. I mean, you know, Amazon's SSL was just hacked last week because of a timing vulnerability where wow. you, you know, yeah, you, you, you're doing something that takes a microsecond longer than if you're doing it differently. And based on that, they can kind of recover the key bit by bit. Right. It, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's really complicated. I, I try so a key and because it took a bit longer, I know that value is better. So then I keep that value. Then I try another key. It goes faster. That's a bad value. Bang, wow. bang, bang, bang. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of stuff. Where, and the, the problem is that seems insanely complicated until you write the code and then it's trivial. Right. Get me the key. Yep. Yeah, and it'll figure so, so, it out. So side channel attacks are a big issue with yeah. crypto. So what they ended up with is, which I think was the sensible solution, is to say, okay, let's do what everybody else does on Linux. Let's not do the not invented here thing. Let's rely on OpenSSL. Right. I mean, Except that, that might have its own issues, but at, at least everybody has the same issues. And everybody's fixing <laughs> yeah. those working. OpenSSL had a major issue right. that has been yeah, yeah. fixed. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. still have to update to it. So, but, but this story came together pretty late. In, in the whole development. So right. now the, the way it works today is now if you're doing crypto, there's a, they have a, a, um, a, a Unix implementation of that and a Windows implementation which either p-invoke to Windows or right. shell out to OpenSSL. And ultimately, since we are dealing with security tokens, we, we rely on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's our most complicated dependency, I think. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Uh, it must be that happy time again. You know it. It's time to go to the New York City subway lost and found office and claim my tokens. <laughs> My name is Carl Franklin, and I've authorized this message. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's bad. I never, I've never been there, but I have been to the Long Island Railway Lost and Found. Oh, yeah. That's a long story. Been the New London Superior Courthouse Lost and Found. They do not have pants <laughs> in your, my size. That's true. Uh, it's actually time to give away a Component One studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first... Grape City Active Reports is the reporting platform for all your business needs. Design, publish, view, print, and export operational reports such as invoices, expense reports, tax, and government forms, as well as strategic and analytical reports such as sales performance, budgeting, and revenue analysis. Active Reports gives you the operation and flexibility you need to turn your data into informative, pixel-perfect reports across the entire enterprise. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? And today's winner is Michael R. Pear. Michael, golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Michael R. Pear. And he just won the Component 1 Studio. That's a big pile of awesome from Component 1. 
And uh, if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you've got to sign up to win. Guys, it's your turn. You got five grand. Let's go shopping. What are you going to buy, Brock? I think I'm going to buy a super high-tech coffee maker for my kitchen. Love it. <laughs> you can easily blow five grand yeah. on that these days. I think that would be a good thing to have. Yeah. So you just want to wake up, go over, push a button, Absolutely. and have fresh ground coffee. <sighs> uh, come on. It's Internet of Things. It should know that he's waking oh, yeah. up by reading his EEG and then just start making the coffee. What You have one of those in I'm, your house. Uh, yeah, it's a melee. I remember I don't drink coffee. That's the silly part. It is right? silly, yeah. It's so, made in Germany. Yes. It's a, it's a fine <laughs> German product. Fine German product, that makes yes. excellent coffee mm-hmm. apparently yeah so Stacy drinks coffee she drinks coffee the, yeah. car- the girls drink coffee yeah uh, and it, and it, but the main thing here is for me with no interest in coffee I can make a decent latte just by following the instructions of my machine yeah you will put the cup here <laughs> you will put this milk there press you, this will, button yeah, here. you will press the rinse button now like it's pretty and it's definitely it's very German it is quite demanding it's like <laughs> you will empty the waste tray now so, <laughs> I don't know could you spend five grand on a coffee 100% machine? Really? Yeah, I get wow. that. Wow. I just have the old Cuisinart uh, with a hopper in the top for beans and a burr grinder and a, you know, and that makes Which great, gets into the essence of it, right? Which is coffee. keep the keep the coffee bean in the shape of a bean as long as possible, grind it properly with yep. a burr grinder, like that's what matters. Now, the next step is roasting. So there are roasters. Oh my God. There are roasters now. Yeah. So <laughs> you can have a just put green beans in the top, push the button, they roast, they grind oh, really? and you got there. Custom roast on the fly. Custom uh, roast on, on demand. the fly. Per cup roast, wow. you gotta have to wait. For That's a little roasting. obnoxious. Right. A little, a little obnoxious. Uh, our friend Kent Allstad, <laughs> my partner in, in Strange Loop and so yeah. forth, has gotten has gotten the coffee bean roasting bug. Yeah, he's yeah. he's making his own roast. He shows up on a regular basis and hands the wife a, a bag of vacuum sealed I, beans I he keep, just roasted that day. I keep a bag of ro- freshly roasted beans in my car because it makes the cold car smell great. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys like that new car smell. I like, like the, the coffee new fresh coffee smell. <laughs> All right, Don, it's your turn. What do you, what do you want for five Yeah, pounds? you're ask, asking me this every year, and I still would like to have this Leica camera, which I always tell you every year. But yeah. the problem is 5000 is not enough for that. So maybe I can have Brock's 5000 <laughs> and then I, then I could buy one. So if he buys a $150 Cuisinart, <laughs> you could have enough for the Leica camera. Yeah, yeah. And the Leica camera, again, is, is this the one that takes, like, Pictures at different depths of field and no 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 it's, it's a really uh, it, it's a mostly manual camera it's uh, it's not you it's it you know depending on which one you get but it's it's not autofocus it's a so-called rangefinder yeah and it's a special technique basically when you look through it you have to focus manually and you 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 have two pictures and only if they perfectly align on yeah. each other you know that you are in focus wow and it's a totally different way of taking pictures much much you know like obviously it's not for you know taking kids uh, pictures of the kids because they move way too fast and uh, but it's a you know it's a different different way than just going there click 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 Um, um, and yeah they are they are you know they are handmade you know they have these really heavy lenses and sure and it's and this is Leica 
Leica. Like, I mean, those guys have been making cameras since there were cameras. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very German. There's, there's, there's an M9, which oh, so is they like still an make Leica. Leica. I thought you said Leica. I didn't. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Leica is like a really yep, old, yeah, old yeah. school German. Yeah, I have Leica lenses on some of my video cameras. Yeah. Yeah, and they're expensive. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but, but, but Leica still makes like a fully manual film-based SLR, and those are really hard to find these days. Yeah. Like, people are coveting those old manual bodies. They, they and and yeah, and then you know, if you ask professional photographers, they like you know they they. You mentioned like kind of oh yeah like um, mm, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and they they also have a, have a really special look I think because they are not using all of these electronics and anti-aliasing filters and right. all that stuff that you typically have in SLRs today yeah so yeah but they, you know um, I th- I think the body is around eight thousand and then you don't have a lens yet <laughs> so and, and they they only have prime lenses. Yeah. So you you, you want to have the fifty millimeter and the eighty millimeter and the thirty five millimeter and then you're around twenty k or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then um, the divorce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to identityserver.io and there's three products here. Can you tell us the difference between identity server, identity manager, and identity model? Sure. So identity server, like Dominic said, is our kind of our, our main thing. Uh, that deals with single sign-on, web mm-hmm. API security. And it's part of the, in the .NET Foundation as well. Yes. Uh, yes. Identity is. server is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Identity Manager is the user management tool that okay. we have. Okay. And it's uh, meant for developers um, or maybe admins. Um, it's not really meant to be a full-blown you know, front user-facing app uh, for managing you know, self-service. Which I, I think you... This is a conversation we had with Michelle Larubasamonte several years ago now. Mm. We were talking about as soon as you get into claim-based identity, you have to have a point where to, where you're able to assign a claim to a, to an identity, right? Yep. right? And, an there's these, and it's, it's probably an admin tool. Yep. You probably need a developer to set it up and so forth. So that's this tool, right? It's like, okay, here's the list of claims available in these apps. Here are the list of identities. Make your assignations. Absolutely. So you can use that for the uh, for that scenario. But okay. again, it's 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 uh, not infinitely customizable. Okay. So because okay. this is what we used to do in Active Directory, sure, right? When we sure. assigned roles, and, and and when I say we, as, as I put my IT hat on today, yeah. and yeah, this is my job. And what I liked about that is that when I shut down that guy's Active Directory account, his rights are gone. Yep. Right? It's not only about roles. It's basically every property you put into AD is a right. claim, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Effectively, yeah. right, and I mean one of the things they did in the, these later incarnations of server uh, with Active Directory is that a role became a claim, uh, and now they did, I think it's called dynamic access control. In, la- in starting with Server 2012, you can now also take the properties from AD and turn them in, uh, put them into, into the Windows token as a claim now yes. too. Yeah, they're, they're tied together, and ADFS three, which is actually 2012 R two. And you're not allowed to call it ADFS3, is the one that ties properly with OAuth2 so that you, know, you can associate all information properly. Yeah, th- this version has some limitations, but the next one will be much better, of course. We would hope. <laughs> <laughs> what, ha- what happened to WIF? So WIF is, is still the foundation for everything. You know? um, so WIF was, you know, it was the time where everybody, everything had to be a foundation, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the communication foundation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the PlayStation foundation. Yeah, so, but the idea is WIF was like really the the key technology to enable everything we have today. So, it, you know, it, it, it was built by a, kind of like a, a, a guerrilla operation at Microsoft where just the right people came together and made it happen. Mm. And then it got turned into .NET 4.5, which lay, laid out a foundation for claims principle. Mm. And claims principle is now what's 
in ASP.NET 5 the primary abstraction for okay, users. Nice. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's so sort of the model for, on which all this stuff is based. Yes. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of model, identity model. Identity oh model. yeah, that's the last one. <laughs> so uh, that's a collection of libraries um, to help out people when they're building their apps. Uh, basically, where the framework doesn't provide you the security helpers that you need. Mm. Um, so, you know, there are various helpers in there that help fill in the gaps with some of the features of the OAuth and OpenID Connect protocols. There's also a JavaScript library in there. So some of it's for .NET. Oh, nice. Some of it's for JavaScript. You didn't think Texture make stuff, this stuff, like a long time ago you started, didn't you? So... Um, well, FinTechture was always like the, or it used to be the company I, you know, I, I worked with really closely. Right. Um, and it, when, when I started, I, I put it under the FinTechture umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, when these projects got so big, we decided, and they're all open source and in .NET Foundation, we decided sure. that we don't want to have a, a, a registered trademark yeah. inside of the, the, the project title, yeah, that's so smart. to speak. So we changed that last year. Okay. Yeah. So that's why that, that makes more sense to me. People but are still confused and say, like, we have there's FinTechture identity model and there's identity model. What's the difference? And uh, the, the answer is that's the new, the, the, the one without FinTechture is the new version. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And are these all in the .NET Foundation? Um, model isn't. So m server is the main one. Yeah. Um, identity manager is as well. Um, we're not sure if that, I don't know yet. Uh, model, model isn't. Okay. Because model, you know, model is... is it's, it's just a collection of tools. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, may, you may need it, you may not. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, the, one that, the one project that really benefited from the .NET Foundation is Identity Server. Because I, they, I totally agree. They give us features like the automated um, contribution license agreement. Right. For example. So when, uh, that's really nice. Yeah? So whenever somebody does a pull request then there's a bot kicking in saying, hey, you changed some code and you haven't signed the license agreement yet. So right. it give, gives them a link, they go there, then you know, they, they, the bot puts a label on the pull request saying, you know, uh, CLA is missing. And then once the guy went there to DocuSign and you know, signed the CLA, they changed the label to a CLA sign. So you know, like, okay, now, now it's safe right. to right. merge in that change. And that's a really, really nice service. Yeah. Well, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I'd be interested in your perception of, of why .NET Foundation in this scenario, but it's like if I'm going to have my enterprise bet on this open source project, I, w I need some assurance that it's not going to burn me later. I think being in the .NET Foundation won't give you that guarantee. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's ultimately, you have, to, you have to do your own research if you're betting on some open source project. Sure. You should go to GitHub, you should see how many issues are there, are they answered, uh, how long does it take to answer them, how many people besides the core contributors are participating right. in that. And you know what? And that, that's the big, big issue we have with .NET or Microsoft-centric enterprises is you should start contributing yourself. Yes. Right? But we have so many customers where the... The, the, the contract of the employee doesn't allow them to make, to, contributions. To, to make contributions back. E, like, they find a bug, they're not even allowed to tell us. <laughs> it, it's, it's, wow. it, it's completely bizarre. Wow. Yeah. yeah and that is, um, and I think with that, the, the .NET Foundation helps yeah. because, you know, guys like Martin Woodward, for example, they go out to companies and talk to them and say, like, sure. you know what, guys, open source is not a one-way road. Yeah. It, it will only work if you, you know, you get something for free, you should, you know, give something back. Yes. <laughs> and that is still a, 
a problem with yeah. many of the bigger companies. In, in the U.S., it's definitely a big, big, big problem. Many of my con uh, consulting customers, when they you know, send me their paperwork to fill out before mm -hmm. I can start working for them, I inevitably come into that clause and they say, everything you do for us, you know, we own. Right. And I say, well, hold on. If you want me, if you need me to go fix a bug or change something in Identity Server to accommodate your scenario, that doesn't drive, right? You guys need to be more forgiving with that clause right. in your contract. Yeah. And the lawyers are like, what? No. Oh, sure, we do open source. And that's... So you're totally, in violation of your own contract. Well, right. But they mm. think open source means it's okay that they can just use it. Right. Right. right? Yeah, they, sure. they, they don't yet understand that there's that contributing back. Yes. And, you know, that, that's, I think, a big issue with the Microsoft-centric companies. Mm. I think this issue doesn't exist in it's, the Java I, world. Honestly, it's, it's sloppy legal is what it is. Because the, the, the rewritten version of that simply says, and where we can't own it because there is a contributing license agreement, we want a license to it. Right. right? And where we can't have a license to it. Like, there's just a series right. of conditions. Right. It's, not, it's just lazy legal. If you actually do right. your homework, that paragraph still exists. It's just 50% longer right. to allow for those options. And what we end up having to change it to is, is basically the same wording, and then there's some sort of addendum that says, except for certain um, uh, code modifications that we consent to and that we approve, we agree that you can contribute them back. You know, even that's them, pretty slack, yeah. right? Like, really, it should be where there's a conflict in the legal agreement, here is the alternative. I mean, it's reasonable for a company to say, if you do work for us, we own that. Yeah, absolutely. But where it conflicts with other things, we don't need to actually own it, but we do need a license in perpetuity, right? Like, there are other ways to describe, I want the right to use that code. Right. It's lazy, lazy, lazy. Like, if you just did your homework really, which means understand what this means, then you could work it out. Mm -hmm. And he, the funny part is, we're a few years away from this being trivial. The, all those paragraphs will be fixed. Right. Yeah. Because eventually, you know, the, the problem is that an awful lot of people in our shoes don't read the contracts we're signing. Sure. You know, if you don't read it, you just sign it, then it's okay, right? And the fact that they don't enforce the fact that you went and contributed back... That's okay too, right? So it's just sloppy. Yeah, and you know the, the same the same people complaining about the .NET ecosystem, the open source ecosystem being so bad, are the ones that you know signed these contracts and and just take it for granted that you know the, the company they're working for doesn't allow them to contribute back. Right. Or they did you know I mean and, that, and it may not even be true. It's it's right? a, it's a weird situation. Yeah, like um, on one hand people like complaining on GitHub like. Like you know, like that that somehow like we owe them something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I used I, your software. Now you owe me. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and and you know, one of the, the 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 most interesting mission statements of the .NET Foundation is uh, say something like making open source more enterprise friendly. Right. Um, and and I think that is that is a you know. Should okay. be the other way around. They'll make those enterprises more. <laughs> more <laughs> <sure. Yeah>. <laughs> Turns <laughs> out you need to meet in the middle <laughs> here. So and and. and for example, the, the CLA thing. Uh, so we know, I, I mean, you, you start an open source project, you, you just want to write some code, right? And most people don't realize that the license is important yeah. and that the contribution license is even more important, right? Yes. Because if somebody could give you code and then you're violating some patents yeah. or whatever IP and that, you know, brings it just in a world of pain in when, when you try to... World of pain. Yeah. The labyrinth of pain. So, yeah, uh, the, the .NET Foundation is a good thing because it, it makes more people in the Microsoft space think about these yeah, problems. Yeah, it forces us to be explicit about who owns what and why. So what does this mean going forward for Identity Server? I mean, is, does that mean everybody now gets to contribute to it? 
Do you lose any kind of control? No, I mean, do you care? There's, there's, there's still governance, right? Yeah. Um, even if I hate that word, <laughs> but there is governance. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, in theory, everybody can contribute. Sure. Um, but obviously, Brock and I are, are controlling and, and steering the, the, the direction the core thing goes to. Like we, we, we want to avoid to. You two are the only ones accept, accepting the pull request. Yeah, you, oh, yes. that's good. Exactly. And, I, and right. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at any server right now. Clearly, the largest contributors are sitting here in the booth yeah, right, with us. Right. But there's another 40-something contributors on top of that, and not just one-timers either. There's be some real bits added by other folks. I mean, the, the other thing is obviously that not that many people are that much. I mean, you know, I, I, um, I, I said on, on, on Monday in our workshop, we have the luxury of doing just that. Every right? day. And we're yeah. doing security all year. So we don't have to. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we have many people coming to, to GitHub and we, which are doing a project and then for three months they're really on, you know, yeah, on, they on get it into their head. But then they, they, they move on to a different job. Yeah. Right? And, and, and we lose them Unfortunately, as as you know, as, as being you know, uh, um, useful people on on the on the issue tracker and doing contributions. But the, and it, you know, it's funny how often now these days, because of humanitarian toolbox and so forth. Like I mm. I read contribution graphs regularly. You can see here's somebody who had a project, right? This is this is glob mm. over mm -hmm. a period of three months where they made several contributions and then nothing. Yep. So uh, there's 40 other contributors or so. Um, do you still need more? Do you need more help? Is there? Is, is, is how long's the roadmap? So last time we thought, okay, that's it. We're never going to rewrite this thing again. <laughs> <laughs> the big lie. It turns out we just did. Yeah. <laughs> you really? <laughs> um, so we hope that for ASP.NET 5 and the new core platform, this will be, you know, for the next couple of years, yeah. it will be just evolution yeah. and not I'm revolution. I'm yeah. never gonna, I never want to write a login screen again. <laughs> so is the official version 2.4 or is it 3? So, um, <laughs> good question. Um, there, there's a bit of confusion. I'm just so, looking at the milestones. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so free, the, the identity of free, think of it as the generation free. So, so there, there was identity of one and two, which was more like the WS star, WS federation, right. WS, mm -hmm. you know, WCF style. With free, we made this big switch to OpenID Connect and OAuth. That was like generation free. Mm -hmm. And inside of the generation free, we used semantic versioning to indicate, like, you know, Bug fixes, new features, breaking changes. Sure. And I am um, so, and I didn't have a four, the fourth generation is basically a port of three, but running on the new core. Okay, platform. got it. So the numbers yeah. you're seeing there are, are, are build numbers, if you will. Right. So it's Identity Server 3, build 2.2 or 2.4. 2. 2. 2. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what do you guys think of all the new versioning of .NET? <laughs> uh, well, Go. we sat in on the, the session at the uh, yesterday <laughs> on that, and um, yeah, they they explained a little bit, but I still came out of there with my head spinning a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a little confusing still. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, dot ASP.NET five running on .NET four point six or .NET Core five zero, which together is called I think .NET Framework twenty fifteen, and <laughs> but then we have <laughs> the satisfies <laughs> .NET Standard one point five. Yeah, now we right. have .NET Standard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. What's yeah. that all about? So yeah, so the .NET standard thing is a is a is an attempt to make it easier in the future to build libraries that target multiple platforms and multiple versions of the .NET runtime. So um, you know that for, for example, our identity model, uh, uh, you know, the, the library I'm mostly writing, it it runs on .NET 4.5 and on Windows Phone 8.1. 
and on WinRT, you know, like the, um, yeah. the, the, the Windows 8 app model, but also on Windows 10, and now on .NET Core. So, That's so a lot of versions. But obviously the API service is different for each platform. Right. Yes. Right? So you might not, you know, certain things, like claims principle is not available on the phone. Yeah. Right? It is available on .NET Core and .NET 4.6, but not on the phone. So you have to find, well, you should find, it would be good to find a way <laughs> to just <laughs> <laughs> to have one project and you're, you're compiling that and it compiles uh, several versions of that DLL right. uh, where, where each version for each platform only has the, AP, the, the APIs in it which are supported by that platform and then you want to put it into a single NuGet package yeah. and let NuGet figure out yeah, what you're going to use which one will be going into the client's wow. sorry about that Jeff Fritz yeah sorry <laughs> yeah you you deal with it. <laughs> so it's it's a non-trivial problem to solve. Yeah. And I think it's the most the most reason it's it's so complicated and riddled is because again Microsoft wants to be backwards compatible all the way down. Sure. Yeah. In my opinion, when I sat there yesterday, I said, okay, you, knew, you know, I mean, you're building this new runtime and you're already breaking compatibility with all kinds of things. Yeah. So why with this new model, just get rid of Windows Phone 8 and yeah. get, get rid of Windows 8. Let's say Windows Phone 10 and Windows 10 is the minimum yeah. and we go from there. Yeah. They would make things so much easier. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and then you have Samarin, of course, which I have right. many, you know, and Mono. So yeah, it's, it's, com more. it's complicated, and it took them, you know, they, it took them 35 minutes yesterday to uh, to explain at a table they have in their documentation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't even know that Markdown had all these special characters and arrows and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that story is still too complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be worse than doing your taxes pretty soon. <laughs> but it does, yeah. it does feel like we're starting to narrow down on a set of approaches to security and the tooling around that. Maybe we're at peak complexity. You know? Never. <laughs> <laughs> so just in general, I just want to make that clear even without all, you know, with all the complaining. It is still the right direction in the grand scheme. Sure. Yeah. Right? But there are still some battles to fight. Yeah. <laughs> we, at least we're still just trying to get core functionality done, right? Like, Claims principle should show up in the in the the mobile stack at some point. Like that would simply simplify things. It's not that hard. It's just not made it in the stack yet. If those as those core things start to level off and we get some versions out the door and we start to understand, you know, they obviously they can't implement everything. So they're implementing what they think is the primary set for .NET Core, and then they're looking. They're seeing who screams the loudest, and there'll be an iteration to knock a few more of those things off. You would hope at some point we get a level set of claims privileges all the way across the board, and then life gets a lot easier. Wherever that actually levels out, and maybe it's a couple of years away, then we go. Things will actually simplify. Yeah, you get a, I guess the other, the other problem is that they have to make these decisions now. Yeah, uh, because now is the point where they can change things and. They have to anticipate so many things happening in the future. They're guessing. They have yeah. to guess. This, you know, but I mean, it can be fixed later. Just it'll be more more difficult. You you don't want to break them again, right? Like no. in one year's time, like okay, sorry. Um. Yeah, rewrite again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we won't rewrite again. You, know, <laughs> you are definitely setting a set of base requirements now, base dependencies now that can be added to but cannot be subtracted from. Sure. Well, I guess that's a show, guys. Uh, what's your what's your plan for the rest of uh, the rest of the year? 
<coughs> the rest of the year, well, it's it doing the same as before. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, we promised Microsoft, kind of, <laughs> that we are releasing Identity Server 4 by the same time they, they ship ASP.NET 5. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and once, that done, once that's done, we have um, probably uh, Identity Manager. We'll probably get an update. Yeah, the measured. Yeah. Um, and there's some other things that we were thinking about for identity model as well. So, I mean, that, yeah, I guess you're right. We could use some more contributors because there's a, <laughs> a never-ending list of things to for do. Sure. And, and the other thing is, obviously, we, we don't anticipate that our, all of our customers will jump on ASP.NET 5 the day it's of released, course. right? So we're going to have to maintain free and for for quite a long time. Yeah, for, I would think years, yeah. really. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's been great talking to you, and congratulations on the integration and everything. It's thank fantastic. You. Great, thank you. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a